Hello and welcome to your daily dose of commentary. Today we start with the topic, XQC proves to everyone that he is in fact a scumbag. So XQC, public enemy number one, got criticized on Twitter today. Who would have guessed? When I think about what scumfuck degenerate content parasites look like, I don't think I could possibly create parody more on the nose than this. And there's XQC making a whoa face in front of a video titled XQC reacts to Israeli airstrike hits Gaza tower after Hamas attack. But XQC's response to this criticism was to tweet himself next to a briefcase of money or a suitcase rather, not even a briefcase, a suitcase of money and him holding up piles of money to his head. And XQC says, huh? Which I think you can all agree more than a little bit tasteless. <laughs> God damn. Kuwait says, your soul remains empty. Ray showing him some, something fierce. Ray showing, for those who don't use Twitter, is when you get more likes than the post you're responding to. XQC responds, your bank account relates with his very overpriced watch that looks absolutely terrible. But yeah, he got ratioed by a, a handful of other creators. His uh, saber spark kicking sand in his face. My response to this, of course, XQC is in the, well, I never cared if you all liked me anyway phase of dealing with losing social status. It's like a clip I saw recently where XQC was like, uh, I don't care about these people who make this fucking content I react to. I don't care how much work they put in. I don't give a fuck. Smedley writes, looks like we're getting hit again. Sorry, folks. And hey, in boys, a what? turn of events, after this, Smedley steps yeah, down video is actually as crazy. CEO of Sony comments he made on Twitter. Like we'll hey, yo, you want, hey, hey, I'm gonna pause and just tell you this, man. You want to know something, dude? I don't give a fuck, bitch. I can give a fuck about none of y'all bitch assholes. Fucking react threshold Andes. Fuck you. I, I couldn't give a singular flying fucking rat's ass about none of that shit. Anything worth put in, hours, I don't give a fuck. And then he just keeps watching YouTube videos. Like no one wants to be hated, chat. I don't care who you talk about. People would rather not be hated. People just grow to accept being hated if it is like a consequence of them doing other stuff that they want to do. And XUC clearly in a hole right now where People clearly hate him and he knows people hate him and he doesn't see a way out of it. So he's just like, I don't care guys. I don't care how much you, you don't like me, right? I never liked you guys anyway, okay? Cause the difference between having a million dollars and like a hundred million isn't that much. That money is not replacing uh, <laughs> the positive esteem that he used to have. It's funny to look at and that's about it. Who actually watches XQC anyway? I've never met an XQC fan in real life. A lot of kids. It's one of those things guys where once you're big, you get the most exposures, you're the most likely person to pick up viewers, right? You gotta remember that people don't look for the most optimal, perfect content for them to watch. They look for content that is good enough to meet their needs. So like if you take the top 10 creators live at any given time, the odds of a person like clicking through all 10 and not finding someone who meets that threshold, meets that standard is very, very low. But of course, most people aren't going stream, 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 stream. They're, they're looking for streams via other criteria. You know, they might search for a particular keyword. They might look at a particular game. But obviously, the further you are down in any sort of search criteria, the less likely a person's going to get to you before some bit of content before that meets the threshold of being good enough. And obviously, XQC is good enough for a significant amount of people, especially uh, as far as live streaming is concerned, where most of the people, what people want in a live stream is just consistent background noise. You know, the amount of people who are actively focused in on the content at any given time is a fairly small fraction of the actual overall people who have the stream open in a browser. How does XQC get so rich unless his fans are just so stupid they get sucked into a fanboy complex? Or does he really have that much kids that see him as role models? He gets insane amounts of donors. Are you asking me to break down the revenue sources of a person like XQC? 
I mean, you gotta understand, it's like, what is a dollar to you? To 99% you, it's absolutely nothing. If you saw me in public and I'm, I was like, hey, like, I don't got my wallet on me. Can you, can you spot, spot me a dollar? I'm like a dollar short on my shopping. You'd be like, yeah, whatever, here's a dollar. That is kind of what most subscriptions or donors are like. It's like people who've just got a little bit of extra money and they're just like, fuck it. I want to say this message on stream. Here's $5. I want emotes in chat. $5 ain't much to me. Here's $5. And when you become a very large content creator, the amount of people like that just increases. The circumstances of the streamer is not the overall determining factor as to whether or not a person's likely going to want to give money. Unless, of course, that streamer is in dire circumstances and you're just trying to help them out because they're in those circumstances, right? Although, maybe that's unfair. Like, surely when he got his $100 million contract, some amount of people were like, okay, I'm not going to don donate anymore, right? Clearly not the majority. I don't get why rich streamers like XQC don't remove the donate button. I'd feel awful if I had millions and the student with 100k debt gave me 20 bucks to say they love me. I know that some streamers, uh, Toast, Pokimane, for example, have either removed the donation button or reduced how much can be given. I'm sure others do this as well and they just don't make a big deal about it. But on some level, I just don't think they think about it. I, I, I assume they would say, well, it's the viewer's responsibility to regulate, re uh, regulate their own spending habits. And I guess they just want more money. It's kind of like that dude, uh, what's his name, Nick Merckx or something? Where he recently got a deal to move to kick and he specifically asked for a stake deal on top of that. Like the dude must be worth ridiculous many millions of dollars. And he's getting a contract to stream video games on a fucking website. He's like, nah, 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 but I need more millions. So I, I'm going to get my uh, my fans hooked into addictive gambling. Let's fucking go. Like, right. Some people just want more, 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 me, me, more, more. And there's no limit to that. But others, I think the donation button does give people away to communicate with the stream, engage with the stream. And the dollar limit just makes so it doesn't get spammed. You know, it puts a barrier to entry there. Like I'm sure you've seen Doug Doug's content and people will give like a hundred bits and tell a joke. And that will be in the video because it will be funny. It's a, a good way to engage with the stream. I don't think Doug Doug needs a hundred bits or whatever, right? It is an optional thing. It's not required. I don't think there's ever any point where you have to remove the donation button regardless of how much money you have. Is Kick or TikTok more morally questionable? So now that I'm multi-stream on YouTube and Twitch, I thought about also streaming on TikTok as well. It turned out there were some difficulties with that. Like they don't like to give out stream keys anymore and they want you to use their dedicated streaming software, which is like OBS, which is what we normally use, but much, much worse. It's got like 10% of the functionality, 900% increase pain in the ass. But I've got my management team and I've said, hey, look, can you ask TikTok to give me a stream key so I can just use OBS? Ultimately, I really only just want to be on Twitch and, and YouTube, but I thought I may as well try it out on TikTok as well and see if I can figure that out. We'll see what happens. Nevertheless, an interesting question came to my mind. How would people respond to me doing that? So I uh, tweeted this out. Is Kick or TikTok more morally questionable? Unrelated to whether you personally use the service, which platform do you believe is more likely to cause harm to their users or others? So 37% said Kick is worse, 21% said TikTok is worse, 5% said both are equally fine, and 37% said both are equally bad. So there's definitely still significant animosity towards TikTok. How much of that is justified? I don't know. I haven't really followed all the it's Chinese spyware stuff other people would always used to say because other people have concerns about it in terms of the, the dopamine or how it's affecting kids or they don't like the culture and stuff like that. Like, there's a lot of concerns about the website itself, but I'm fairly convinced that you guys would be more okay with me restreaming to TikTok than to Kick, especially considering I already have my TikTok account with 600,000 followers or whatever. Will I multi-stream to Kick? I don't think so, at least not at this time. I do not like 
kick. It's more obvious to me the harms that ki kick um, can propagate with its its gambling stuff. Like again, I don't mind gambling in my own private time chat or, or personally or, or what have you. But especially slots, I think they should just be outright banned. And I don't think gambling should ever be advertised. With that being said though, most of the reasons why I would stay off the platform is because I don't think kick is like rooted into the public consciousness yet or rooted into social media. It's like the bad boy that is ignored by a lot of people and it may still potentially fail. But if it one day comes that kick is like as popular as Twitch, or even if it beats Twitch, then I will likely go on kick. If my abstaining from it isn't going to negatively impact kick at all, there's no reason for me to do it anymore. I, I am doing a pseudo boycott until I, I think the boycott will have no impact, you know? I don't believe anyone would think harshly of you streaming on those other platforms as long as you're not selling your morals for it. I mean, I've always been pretty adamant that if you go back and go through all those things of me saying that uh, kick is garbage, I never said explicitly that I wouldn't stream on there. And I said specifically that there are obviously contexts in which I would stream on kick. It's just those are unlikely to come about. And so while I think I will try TikTok, I am not at the point where I think I want to try kick. I would rather just hope that kick dies as unlikely as that seems to be. Boycott until a hundred million dollar contract. I think at my level with a few hundred viewers, if I didn't take a $100 million contract for kick, people probably think I was a goddamn idiot. Let's be real. But even then, like, I don't, I don't need $100 million, chat. I don't. If it didn't require me to gamble at all, and I could have some clause in it that said I would never be required to gamble, uh, maybe. <laughs> kick doesn't have any form of taking revenue from the creators, if I can recall. How are they even surviving? Well, I'm sure they take some ad revenue and stuff, wouldn't they? Um, they take 5% of subscription money, but they're in their growth phase as is the case with a lot of new startup kind of things. It's uh, you shovel money into it and then you worry about being profitable later. But of course, in Kick's case, it's largely just about driving people to gamble on stake. They want to get the return through gambling. And so every person they bring over to Kick has some dollar value. But obviously at this point, there's no way they're getting their money's worth with these contracts they're paying people. And it remains to be seen, like let's say three years from now, when all these contracts are definitely up, who's going to still be streaming a lot on kick and such. And I guess we'll see later on when reports on the um, live streaming ecosystem come out, as you do know, they come out like every year. We'll see how much market share kick has, but I, I guarantee you it's not a lot. Would I actually receive more benefit multi-streaming to kick right now? I do think I would, but a tiny, tiny, tiny amount. I'd be surprised if I had even 20 viewers if I uh, on kick if I started uh, restreaming there, but it wouldn't cost me anything. It wouldn't require any additional effort. So it would be fractions of fractions of a percent increase in discoverability because obviously Kick's discoverability is garbage anyway. So I'm giving that up to uh, not support the platform, even in that small way. Do you remember the names of your favorite YouTube creators? So I was talking to some other creators and I saw one of them post how a viewer told them that they should be trying to build their brand by like saying their name at the start of their video. Something I'm adamantly against, right? I think it's just a waste of the viewer's time and your content will become known to the viewer if you keep making good consistent stuff. The amount of content creators that the average viewer interacts with every day is like, or at least every week, like it's countless. There's no way they're gonna remember your name just because you said it once in a, in a fucking video, right? Like I'm, I'm sure that would to some degree help brand recognition. I just don't think it's worth the potential loss of attention, giving viewers that chance to leave or or what have you at the beginning. I, I just don't think it's worth it. Nevertheless though, I started thinking about like, how many creators do I know on YouTube that I watch? So I tweet this out. I use YouTube every day and watch a huge variety of creators. Despite that, I realized that I don't really have many favorite creators. 
Even though I watch likely over a hundred different channels each month, I would struggle to name a dozen of them if you ask me. Maybe I'm just bad with names. I watched the channel two hours ago. 795,000 subscribers. The video was on difficulty in video games. And uh, you know the trade-offs that you have in different ways of giving flexibility to the user in terms of what difficulty they set, or whether it should be an automated process that difficulty changes as you play. As I often say, everything has upsides and downsides, and that's largely what the video was talking about. So it was a very interesting video. Do you guys know what content creator I'm talking about? I, I don't know the name. I recognize their videos when I see them, and I watch them. I've talked about them before. Like, I recognize videos and the creator's name at the time, but I just forget it immediately because it just doesn't matter. Oh, the creator was Rasputin. That's pretty close with the subscriber count. It's a good video, this. It's a good video. I even liked it. Look at that. Like, to me, though, I care more about the content than I do the person making the content, you know? Generally speaking, there are some creators that I grow to like and respect, but in general, it's just, hey, here's a video. Like, there are some people who watch movies and go, oh my god, who who made this soundtrack? Or, oh my god, who made who made this movie? Like, who's the director? And all that stuff. I don't care about any of that stuff. It's like, is this thing good? Great. Thumbs up. Move on. And I wonder how many of you guys are the same way. Do you guys often discuss, like, your top 50 favorite creators and you can just rattle them off? If asked. Like, I just feel like creators as themselves are far more disposable than they have ever been. Because, uh, in part because, like, once upon a time, you used to have this subscription feed. And you largely watch people in your subscription feed. And so you get to know them or whatever. But now, especially with shorts, you're flicking through them. Speed of sound, you know. Reaction videos make the YouTube matter. Oh, it's the complete opposite. Reaction videos turn the original creator into a talking head in someone else's video. The person who is the focus, the one in control, the person that people care about, is the reactor themselves. Especially considering that the reactor, of course, can spam out so many videos so fast that they have a higher chance of sticking in people's consciousness. It's harder to remember a creator, an actual creator who has to put in the month's work to release one video compared to the person who's spamming out videos that took a month to make from other people, like three times a day, you know. I am being forced to shave my beard. So something's happening, chat, that is kind of requiring me to shave all my facial hair. I got contacted by the people who do sleep studies. They were directed by my sleep physician, the person I met uh, yesterday, to contact me. And they say, yo, you got to come in. It's like a 45-minute thing where we, like, hook up a bunch of stuff to you. And it sounds scary. I don't know. And then you go home, you sleep, and you come back in the morning, give us the stuff back, and uh, we, we give you the results. Testing for sleep apnea or any problems. Honestly, I don't think I have sleep apnea, but I think we should try anyway. Uh, last night, I had, like, a blistering headache and woke up, like, four or five times when I was sleeping. Who knows? They might find something, so it's probably worth doing. But one thing they said is, for best results, you should shave. And they said, if you can't shave, just trim it uh, as best you can. I don't mind shaving, chat. I think I'm just going to shave so I can get the best results. I wouldn't want to fuck up a test because I have facial hair, you know. It's a bit of a meme when I shave. I wish I was a little bit thinner. Having facial hair, right, it makes you look thinner in a way. I don't know how to explain it, but it's true. But so, yeah, be prepared for that. A couple of weeks from now, baby face, man again. We can do some memes. It'll be great. This is my new favorite GTA 6 meme. So there has been this meme going around Twitter right now of this dude, like, I guess he's in an interview and they bring up something that's too emotionally overwhelming for him. So he like signals we need to cut this off uh, as he's trying to fight back tears. And so it, it's, it's a very emotional moment. And so of course everyone memed it up. And this was my favorite one that anyone made. When your boy who just woke up from a 10 year coma wants to play GTA 6. so sad, man. <laughs> and when I see jokes like that, I think to myself, fuck, why did I think of that? I looked at this meme for a good solid 10 minutes and thought, what can I do with it? 
And I felt, I felt like a, a handful of small jokes, and I just got nothing. And I, I was like, well, fuck it then, and I moved on. Probably wasn't 10 minutes, but it was like two minutes. Like, but it felt like a long time, I me mean, not to think of a joke. I'm a funny guy sometimes, like, I usually think of jokes, but uh, <laughs> I like that one. Obviously, that joke has been told before, but uh, I just thought it suited this situation. YouTube congratulated me for this fairly unimportant achievement. So, very small bit of news, but YouTube gave me a cake for it, so I thought I may as well talk about it. My current main channel is 11 years old, having been created November 1st, 2012. I am going to keep doing it myself as YouTube has directed. New achievement. Hooray! It's your channel's birthday. You've come so far, just imagine where you and your community will be next year. Keep doing you. I thought that was nice. Can the human eye see above 60 FPS? This caused quite a bit of a stir on Twitter. Freya the Stray posted this. Okay, so the human eye can absolutely tell the difference in frame rates beyond 60 hertz. Can we please stop the, the eye can only see 60 FPS nonsense now. And so they put this little six second clip here, which was 30 FPS with a little circle going backwards and forwards, 60 FPS with a circle going backwards and forwards, 120 FPS with a circle going backwards and forwards, and 480 FPS with a circle going backwards and forwards. But this is all one video. So the immediate question is, how is this showing four different kinds of FPS in a video that obviously can only be one FPS. And the answer is it's not. This is all 60 FPS. According to them, they're using sub frames or something to simulate the differences or something. I am already convinced that the human eye can see above 60 Hertz. So I, I don't need this to convince me, but I don't think anyone who isn't convinced of that would be convinced by this because they would just dismiss it. They can just dismiss it because uh, they would just question the methodology. Beyond that though, how many people really say that people can't see above 60 FPS? I don't think I've ever heard that before, unless it's a joke. It seems obvious though that there's a diminishing returns and like 60 FPS is the sweet spot in terms of feel and visuals. Oh, apparently it's the thread. Okay, we'll continue. Apparently they say more things here. This video is 60 FPS, since most of you will view this on 60 Hz monitors, but it has additional subframes to match, match the refresh rate shown. This effectively emulates the exposure your eyes would perceive of the additional frames, seeing this motion on a higher refresh monitor. For videos and movies, this is effectively what motion blur is. It fills in the gaps you see in this animation. But for interactive content like games, you can't fill in the gaps of a discrete render. This is why high refresh rates matter more for games. So this is of course not one-to-one -one with the experience of using high refresh rate monitors. It will appear more like a blur effect in this emulation above, but it's close. On actual high refresh rate monitor, this animation wouldn't be a blur. It would just be a very smooth animation. Not only does this affect smoothness of motion, but also the responsiveness of input for anything interactive like games. I certainly agree with that. For example, once upon a time, we debated the idea of putting like an FPS cap for GTA 5 speedrunning. 60 FPS, 90 FPS, 120 FPS, or 150, I think, or something like that. And you could tell the difference if you were capped at 60. It just felt worse. 90 the same way. The higher the frames you have playing GTA 5, the better it feels. And I know it's hard to explain, but it just feels better. Everything feels more responsive. Looks better too. So we did a poll in chat. Do you think the human eye can see above 60 hertz? 83% said yes. 4% said no. And that 4% was probably memeing. Yeah, I, I don't think there's a dominant crowd of people who don't think people can see above 60 FPS. I assume the debate is more over how much FPS you need for a good experience or how high the FPS can get before you really can't tell. Like 30 to 60 is obvious. 60 to 120 is, is still noticeable. But 120 to 240, you, I think you'd still be able to tell, but 240 to 480, I don't know about that, you know? The higher up you get, I think the less you'll be able to see it with your eyes. Whether the responsiveness of the controls is still, it still matters, I don't know. But maybe 83% of you can see above 60 hertz, but 100% of you can see the like and subscribe button. So be sure to hit them. Thank you for watching, and I wish you all the best.